Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We have a great show planned for you today. My very special guest is going to be joining us as we take a journey into the world of ancient memories. And what does it mean to have the awakening of these memories? And so that's what Dina Miriam is joining me here today. But before we jump into that, I want to say hi to Mr. Benny. Hi, Benny. Hi, How Pat. are you? Doing awesome as usual. And yourself? I'm pretty good. Right. I am really ready to go here because there's some things that happens in our lives where we just can't explain it. There are things that attach us to past memories that just show up. You know, for example, this morning, I was talking to Linda and I had a memory of something that happened in my childhood. And I was wondering, now, what caused me to bring up a memory that I did not share with anyone? You know, what was it in that moment that hit me? What was it? Was it maybe that I was listening to, you know, the uh, Joe Biden talk about gun law legislation? Or actually, I didn't see the whole presentation he did, but I saw enough of it to bring me to a situation in my life that I pretty much buried in my first year of high school. And how did that perhaps touch upon a part of my existence that goes beyond this skin, beyond this world, beyond what we consciously wake up and say, I think I'll watch Netflix today. Something that is so deeply embedded in a narrative that may explain to us many, many things. But how many of us have heard some of the expressions around karma? Even if we don't understand what karma is, we have a sense of it. But today, joining me here, and especially to talk about cause and effect, one of my favorite favorite topics. I love talking about it so much that I studied cause and effect for about eight years. And I didn't come out any smarter. All of that work, and I still didn't get it. But what happens in life when we do get it? Today, I am so thrilled to have all of you join me, join Dina, and think about when the bright moon rises. The Awakening of Ancient Memories. This is Dina's story of a rich, extensive past lives. Yes. And if you're wondering, ah, is that just Dina? Does she just have those past lives? Do I have past lives? Do, do we all have the ability to check this out that maybe it would explain some of the step work we do in this life? I don't have any answers to the to my own questions, but that's why I've got her here. Dina, it's great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you, Pat. We, thank you for having me. And we share a very intensive interest in the workings of cause and effect. That's been my lifelong area of interest and study. Because if you understand how the past effects are present, then you can see how better to create the future. Because we are now creating our future. <laughs> And it is such a fascinating, it's such a fascinating, let me just call it an idea for a moment. And the reason I like to call cause and effect an idea is because I'm a kid from New York. And here's what I want to ask you. Uh, um, this morning, a memory came to the forefront. Uh, and I, something on the on the television or something I was watching triggered it. An event from my childhood, which I never shared. I never talked about it. And I think because it was such a horrific event and 
and it had such consequences. But it didn't feel at the time as a child that it was a new event. It felt like something that was familiar. And yet here we are now and we walk the path. And sometimes we wonder, how did I get here? And how will I get to where I want to go? And I want to ask you this question because this is a beautiful book. And there's so many things I want to talk with you about, especially the curse. But for you, what was, if you could pinpoint it, what was that one moment? Should we call it an aha moment? Should we call it a tipping point? Should we call it maybe something that was extracted by ancient aliens to really bring a level of awakening? But what was that moment in your life, whenever that was, where you knew you had to take this path? When I knew I had to, well, I was about 20 when I was in college and uh, somebody in college, a friend in college, first handed me a book called Be Here Now, which was written by Ram Dass. He had just oh, yes. <laughs> and I read the book. I think I was a freshman in college. And I immediately went to see him. He was speaking in, in, um, in Boston, um, Cambridge, and where I was in college. And then, um, and then a few weeks later, somebody handed me Autobiography of a Yogi. And as soon as I saw Yogananda's picture on the front cover, I recognized him. That's my guru. And so I began to meditate and I began the study of spiritual laws. And I had always intuitively felt that, that, that we, that we're eternal beings. It didn't make sense to me that we come out of nothing and disappear. I mean, that just didn't make sense, especially if you know, the law of physics, energy transforms, but doesn't disappear. So, uh, but I, but I, 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 had only flickers of where I might have been. Um, and then it wasn't until I'd been meditating for about 20 years when I began to have a shocking revelations of very concrete memories of my past birth and then the birth before that, going back in time. And it was overwhelming, actually. It's not a, a light matter because it's not just saying, oh, I, I, was, uh, I lived in India and I was this and that you actually, we experienced some of the emotional challenges and traumas. And so it, it, it was quite confusing for me at first. And it took me many years to work my way through it. And that's how I got on this path. And then I, I wanted to know more and more. You know, I wanna know my whole history. I wanna know everything. I wanna know where I came from. What have I experienced? And then what am I meant to do now? Where am I going? What lies ahead? And so my energy recently shifted from the past to the future because we are laying the blueprint for our future. We can do that either unconsciously or consciously. That's our choice. Either we do it unconsciously or we do it in a more directed way. You know, and what I what I love about this is, you know, people that that may take a look at the book and and may think this is fascinating. I want to take this journey. What is Dina referencing? How is she doing that? And when you realize that this is you, that this is your journey, that you have connected dots, this is my language now, connected dots, because that's the way I think about things, right? You, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm very down to earth, really street smart at some levels. And so for me, you know, I love being able to speak with you. And at the same time, as I go through the book, I see, oh, that, oh, now that, oh, now that. And what I want to ask you about is there's such richness in reaching back to understand where we are today, you know, to reach back to those previous lives. It is so enriching. And yet at sometimes how do we make sense of it? Because I really struck by how you weave this together, especially talking about other cultures, right? I, I guess, I mean, I, I, it's interesting because how this came about, this particular book, yeah. is that I, I have two lives. I'm a writer and I'm also an activist and I have yep. a nonprofit where I do a lot of uh, environmental work, mostly around climate change. So I've been in this climate change space for 12, 13 years. Yep. I wonder why. Why am I so interested in this 
why is this a central theme in my life? And uh, I'm also a student of history. And I know that about 11,000 BCE, there was a huge uh, 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 phenomenon where the, the glaciers began to melt. The glaciers up until then covered half of America, North America, most of Europe. Uh, and then there was a meteor, something like that, and the glaciers began to melt. So this is not the first time we're experiencing the melting of the ice. Right. That was it. But it also, according to the Eastern view of history, that was a Satya Yuga. It meant a time when there was greater harmony uh, on the planet. So I thought, in a time of great disruption, what does that mean that it was in a higher age? Why did that happen in a higher age? And so I really began a meditation on this time period. Um, and then I was in India and I began to have this, began to see like a movie of this story that I tell, which was about, about the ninth century. So it's the ice melted over a period of time. You know, the oceans rose 400 feet. Land masses were, 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 were uh, covered. The migrations, I mean, the human population was small, but that's when the forests came out. Before that, so much of the water was locked in ice. There was not a lot of precipitation, not a lot of forests. And so, so I was combining this scientific event with what I know from the yogic uh, tradition, which is that the rishis at that time were bringing down the wisdom of the Vedas and they were helping societies come into settlements because a new chapter was opening uh, for human society. Uh, there could be more settled societies along rivers because the rivers fed life. Yeah. And so, so I wanted to see both things. I wanted to see what it looked like on a material plane and spiritually what was going on that we, that we consider it to be a high age, what was going on spiritually. Um, and so, so those were the things that kind of, that, that were leading me uh, uh, into this uh, process of having these memories awakened. I mean, I call them memories. Somebody else might say I'm channeling, you know. I'm yes. Yep. yep. I've thought about that. And I said, <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. I'm seeing what I see. <laughs> That's That was my, that is exactly the, the uh, let's just call it the ending that I came to. If you want to talk cause and effect, right? You know, whatever it is, you do see what you see. And you experience that seeing the way you're experiencing whatever you want to call it, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I was so fascinated by this and it leaves so many questions, but then answers so many questions. I was struck by, first of all, how far back I was struck by that. And I was struck by the question of soul remembering, you know, how is it or does it, does the soul remember you know, how connected are we to live, lives here, lives there, lives way back? And it always leaves the question of what are we bringing forward in this life that we certainly should have paid attention to in a past life? And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we come back, Dina Miriam joining me here today, when the bright moon rises, the awakening of ancient memories. And there's so much here. But when we come back, I want to, I want to talk with you, Dina, about this journey, this leg by leg by leg, and how it brings us to a level of wisdom. And then how may that awakening alter the way we move forward in life. A lot of questions, a lot in the book. Why was I drawn to the curse? Who knows? We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. How do you feel? Just okay? Well, how about you tune in and get ready to be more with The Healing Hour with me, Doc Martin, every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm ready for your questions, and I can't wait to help you find the answers. Every month, we'll have a new live call-in show with innovative topics and a powerful hour of healing. To learn more about me, visit DrSharonMartin.com. See you there. I'm going to be here. You won't want to miss it. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. 
This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit jenroyster.com for more information. Are you ready to invest in your best self? Join Sabrina Wright as she shares tools for creating joy and balance in your life every single day. Sabrina is here to help you become your greatest advocate and empower you to make decisions that will help you live your best life. The Live the Good Life Show, connecting your physical and spiritual self every second Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Find Sabrina at the right, W-R-I-G-H-T, balance.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific will take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Welcome to Light Body Wisdom with internationally known Light Body Whisperer, Grace Home. She will make you laugh and yawn as you release lifetimes of trauma and begin to feel much lighter. Your divine gifts may be activated, allowing you to weave light into the fabric of the world. Are you ready to be your own light and shine? For more information about Grace, visit gracegehome.com. That's gracegehome.com. Welcome back, everyone. Dina Merriam joining me here today. When the bright when the bright moon rises, the awakening of ancient memories is this fantastic book, and you do get to take a journey. And I was speaking with Dina during the break, and I was fascinated as I was reading the book and reading, you know, Dina, your journey in the book. I was fascinated by pointing to moments in my own life and pointing to more questions than answers. And I shared a little bit about watching this documentary or, uh, you know, historian version of Nero in Rome. And I started to ask myself questions. And I wanted to talk with you and uh, about this book and share this with the audience, because the book really brings us to this place as we follow your journey on how one is shaped in the world we live in today and how those past memories, in fact, either guide us, direct us, or even help shape us today and for the future. And can you talk about your awakening to your own karma and what you may have discovered about the cause and effect of your own life? You know, in all the lives that I've recollected, um, I see a part of myself that's remained. So um, I, I identify, I see that I've grown and that I'm no longer that person, that personality, but I also see the things that have remained. Uh, sometimes there are interests, like in the, in the second part of the When the Bright Moon Rises, I describe the life of, of a, a woman poet an unknown poet, but she was married to a very famous poet. And I've always had an interest in poetry. I used to write as a child, but then I stopped when I got onto the spiritual path. As I'm writing this book, I get up in the middle of the night and suddenly I'm writing poetry again. I was shocked. I had written poetry in what, 40, 50, 40 years. But that part of me had never died. It just got put aside because I was had to attend to other things. Um, the most prominent uh, force that's been with me is this quest for spiritual knowledge. But there are other things about my personality that, that have come into play. Another very prominent theme. I've seen themes that have stayed with me through a number of lifetimes that I've not, that I'm trying to resolve in this lifetime. Uh, so there's the theme of, of um, not having confidence in myself as a woman, which has been a prominent theme in my life, more in the recent lives that I've had than going far back in time. Uh, and so I was forced to overcome that in this life and, and ended up founding the Global Peace Initiative of Women, which was a global platform for women. When I founded that, I had no idea that, that I was completing work that, that was, you know, hundreds of years, been in process of getting to this point. 
So each life you take a little, you make a little progress, hopefully you're making progress um, until it, it finally, you have enough awareness that you can bring it to fulfillment. The, so when we think of karma, we think of, of um, people that we've known. I've had karma with this person. It's either challenging karma or it's easy karma. You can guarantee if you have a very beautiful, loving relationship with someone, it's not the first time you've been together because yep. that takes time to develop. Yep. It may be the third time you're together. Mm. Uh, you have a, a very challenging relationship. Clearly that challenge has come from the past. You have the choice. You can resolve it now or you can resolve it in the future. It's as simple as that. The way I see the law of cause and effect, it's the universe seeking equilibrium, a state of equilibrium to balance itself. So, so everything needs to be rebalanced. The timing is flexible. The how is flexible, but a rebalancing needs to take place. And, and just like there are laws in physics of you know, any energy put out comes back, this is the same, this is a parallel law. Uh, any thought, thought and, and action and speech, that's all energy that's put out. And so it's, you know, you sow, you sow, you reap what you sow. I mean, it's yeah. in all the traditions. It's not unique to the Eastern world. It's in all the traditions. Um, understanding it is very complex because there are so many factors involved. So what, what struck me is how things initiated thousands of years ago may emerge in this lifetime. It's not necessarily so sequential. What you did in your last life is if affecting now. It could be things that started long ago, a relationship that was problematic long ago. Now is the perfect time because the conditions are right. So it's sort of, it's causes and conditions. The causes, the, the effects of a cause will ripen when the conditions are best so that you can have a learning. I always say, there's no judge, there's no punishment. It's all about learning and awakening. Karma is there for our own growth. Because you know, if you're doing something harmful, and if you don't learn, and you do it again, and you don't learn, well, at some point you're going to wake up and say, "I'm eating too much makes me feel bad. I'm not going to do it anymore." Right. <laughs> 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 um, so it's about learning, and um, you know, it's it's been for me, it's been um, a mind-blowing experience, actually to see the way karma works itself through. So, you know, the way a love initiated. I mean, I say that this book, uh, the book, When the Bright Moon Rises, is a really a love story. Yes. Um, it, it's about a love that was initiated that couldn't be fulfilled, that found its fulfillment, fulfillment so many thousands of years later through the help of many divine personalities. And I think um, one of the things that always overwhelms me is how much help we all receive. Yeah. Um, we, we, there are many guides and protectors and, and um, it's, all, it's all for our own benefit yeah. and growth. Uh, there's no, nothing to harm us. It's not to punish us. It's to help us grow in understanding. So if we take our lessons as a growth opportunity, then we can progress. If we take it as a victim with a victim, no matter what it is, you know, woe is me. Why did this happen to me? Then you you don't you don't learn what you need to learn, mm. and and so these things will be repeated in different fashions until you you realize um, what the lesson is, what that particular lesson is that you need to learn. And you know, I want to talk with you about this when we come back because, you know, I've heard so often, and I'm sure you have too, when people look at their lives today. And, you know, and other people's, right, look at their lives today. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the folks from my high school reunion who contacted me a couple of years ago, um, first of all, asked me, are you really still alive? And the, the question had to do with what she remembered of me during those years. Like, you would be the least likely person to, to make it. In, in life past 21. That's basically what she was saying. And the second part was, is, is this you doing what I see on the internet? You know, are you, how did that happen to you? How did you come to be this positive and this vehicle for other voices? And I have to tell you, I want to talk about this when we come back. 
I didn't have a great answer for her. I didn't have an answer, but as I was reading your book and I looked at the connection between, you know, the powers of mantra and how attracted I am to ancient Sanskrit and just over and over, just saying some mantra that I honestly don't pronounce correctly. Sarah Main, who is uh, our resident Sanskrit expert, helps me with that, but it doesn't matter. But the thing I want to just check in with you on which I think is so powerful and unexpected in our lives sometime is our spiritual growth. This is a love story, but it's a love story with powerful, powerful, in my op opinion, powerful spiritual lessons that get accumulated and brought forth. And sometimes people are the least likely folks to be doing stuff in the world today. But I'm like you. I was handed Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. <laughs> I actually got to interview him. It was one of the best interviews I've ever done. But I was handed his book, too. And it took me about five reads to really get it. And then 10 years later to actually try it on. When we come back, I want to talk with you, Dina, about the importance of recognizing these moments of spiritual, what I call spiritual ecstasy, those moments that seem fleeting, but you have an epiphany. Something touches you, your heart, your mind, your soul, that gives you a new perspective. I want to talk about these moments of growth that we bring forward. But what happens if we don't look back and we question our lives and we have more unanswered questions then answers. When we come back, how do we connect the energies of our past with what we are meant to do today and in the future? We're going to take a short break now because if you look at the work, if you look at the work that Dina is doing, if you see what she is creating, you understand sometimes that we create these things in our lives because we are so connected to a pathway that sometimes we can't see from our past. When we come back, we're going to be talking about our spiritual growth, and we're going to be talking about practices and beliefs that are so important to our evolution. We'll be right back. Learn how to lead a happier life on Miles to Go with Brittany Miles. How to lose to gain it all. Join Brittany every second and fourth Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Listen as coach and healer Brittany Miles share stories that teach you about surrender. For more information about Brittany, MilesToGoCoaching.com. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. You're driven, and it totally shows. Your career is taking off, you're killing it in the mom game. But did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to the Boss Up Babe radio show, where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every second and fourth Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Tune into Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce every first and third Tuesday of the month at noon Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. Join Susan and her guests as they share the stories that shift our souls about radical transformations, courageous breakthroughs, and life lessons. Three Things I've Learned with Susan Dolce. For more information, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or visit Susan's website at SusanDolce.com. 
Imagine you are a ball of steel, smooth, small, and cool to the touch. Your life will soften you with fire. You will take hits that shape you. You will be forged into a powerful, purposeful work of art. Tune in to Forging a Life with Coach Christine Clark, joining Dr. Papasili in a three-part series, Truths in the Creation of Katana, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Christine Clark, a gifted, engaging speaker and trainer who has forged her life in the fires of self-employment, will take you on a journey to exploring the internal, mental, and emotional blocks that stand between us and a life of significance through an analogy of the process of crafting a traditional Japanese sword or katana. For more information about Christine, visit sunglowtransformation.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Dina Miriam joining me here today, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. But beyond this book, um, it is true. Dina's an activist, like big time. And we're going to talk about right now in a minute how you go from really experiencing your past lives and spiritual growth. How does that or is that a cause to an effect in this world where you create an amazing organization? Dina, how do people find out more about you, but also how do they get a copy of your book? Well, the book is on Amazon. And so uh, if you type in books by Dina Miriam, um, this latest one, When the Bright Moon Rises, will come up. So it's just go on Amazon, books by Dina Miriam. Um, I have a website, which is my organization's website, the Global Peace Initiative of Women. And so the website is gpiw.org. And uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, the, the Global Peace Initiative Women has a Facebook page. I have a public page uh, where I sometimes do book readings or post, post things. Um, I'm going to be, a do, be doing a book reading from another book, from my, my previous book uh, called The Untold Story of Sita uh, next week. Mm. And so... Um, my favorite thing is is doing book readings. I love I love because to me, when I'm writing, I'm getting the teachings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm downloading all these teachings, and I'm, then I read them after, and it's like, wow, I need to think about that. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned earlier about mantra. Yes, I did. Yep. And um, you know, in this earlier stage of human society, um, there was no writing. Writing was not needed because the memory was was uh, so so much more refined than it is today. That these you know thousands and thousands of Vedic poems were all memorized, and speech was taken very seriously. Uh, speech and mantra, uh, um, and it, it was known that it says even in the in the Abrahamic tradition in the Bible, in the beginning was the word. What is the word? Vibration. Yeah. Out of the out of the unmanifest came vibration, movement, and from that everything else came. Uh, all traditions kind of come back to that vibration, uh, as we see it as the word, is very powerful. You can create things, you can destroy things, and so mantras can both uh, create and destroy. So um, depending on the intention uh, of the mind. So. Um, and they had something in those days called the sankalpa, which is a vow. When you take a vow with a certain intention, uh, it, 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 it has to come to pass. It's a very um, focused mental intention that you make. We know this in, in, in all spiritual traditions talk about affirmations. You know, if you want to gain self-confidence, there's affirmations you can do to help you gain confidence. If you want to, if you think of yourself as having a weak body, there are affirmations you can do. Trouble financially, there are affirmations you can do. So the power of the of, of speech, of it's really mental intention behind the speech, um, is well known, I think, to all spiritual traditions. Um, we've sort of lost that, and I think it's coming back a little bit. Uh, but it was interesting to see, it affected me in writing this because I'm much more conscious of my speech now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, 
let's talk about this for a minute because it really is, and some people really are looking at cause and effect right now, but I've really heard a number of different people, and I've read a, a number of different articles right now about how people are talking about the acceleration of what they call spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the acceleration, the expansive nature of it, not just in the United States, but all over. And there are some people that are pointing to COVID-19 as really the driver of that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm do, you, do yeah. you agree? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so that's why I love cause and effect, right? Because you take a look at something and you say to yourself, what part of me? is being awakened now from whatever this experience is I'm having now, which by the way, may have happened to me in a past life. You know, a COVID-19 in a past life. And I wanted to talk with you specifically about the spiritual growth that comes from connecting the dots of past lives because Sometimes you can't explain why you are now doing a, uh, a mantra, <laughs> why you are stuck on something, why I turn on my internet and I go to a particular mantra and I just play it over and over and over and over again, and I may not even know the words. So can you talk about the connection between spiritual growth and, in fact, your, your journey back and forward? You know, for many people, it takes quite a while to find what you came to do in this life, what your real work is. Some people are lucky they hit on it when they're 25, but I think for most of us, it's a matter of working through interests we may have had in the past. So you may work through numerous things or building the skills you need to do the work that you really came to do. Um, and, and, you know, for me, it, I, I see that the, the work that I really came to do is writing these books, which I only started doing about five years ago. I've been having past life memories for, for, for 20, 30 years. But to me, it was just all personal. I never thought of sharing it. You know, I was just seeing it. And I was like, oh, wow, I really need to think about that. I need to meditate on that and try to understand what the lesson is there for me. But, but I think there is an acceleration. Many people say this. There's an acceleration going on because... We're in an evolutionary moment. If we don't evolve, if we don't change the way we live as a human society and, and interact with everything else, we're, we're going to experience a lot of suffering. So, so a, a, I think a lot of help is coming in to help us evolve to a point where we understand really how the systems work. You know, if we destroy part of an ecosystem, then we're, the whole chain is being affected including us. <laughs> you, you can't just think, well, I'm just going to destroy that. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect me. Everything affects everything else. <laughs> and, and, and we may say that interdependence, into, but do we really understand it? If we really understand it. And then again, uh, how, when, does this, when does this spiritual understanding affect the policy level? Up to the people who, who, are, who are only thinking in terms of short-term results and short-term profits the next election cycle. They're not thinking 10 years, 20 years, what's the next generation? They can't, they don't even have the capacity to think what, what are we leaving for the next generation? It's by the election cycle. I gotta get elected again. <laughs> so, so you know, we have to change this. We have to start think, expanding our vision. And there's a, there are certain, certain uh, qualities that we have to cultivate as human beings now. And so I think there's an acceleration that many more people having past life recall, whether it's as specific as me or not, whether it's your Nehru seeing the downfall of Rome, there's a lesson in there. You're seeing, you're seeing the destruction of a civilization, uh, you know, uh, 1500 years ago. Uh, uh, and why are we seeing these things? Because we're in a transitionary moment. We don't want, I mean, we can go through this transition in a more painful or less painful way. Yeah. Uh, and our work is to try to make it as least painful as possible. Uh, and, and there's so many aspects of it, it could be overwhelming, uh, which is why we have to kind of 
look locally, take one step at a time, what can we do today? And a lot of it has to do with our mental attitudes, you know, because the mind is very powerful. We don't realize how powerful our mind is. And, and I want to I want to ask you about this because this isn't these are awakenings. That's like a big awakening when you get to the place. Just what you just said right there. It is what we call an aha moment. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's interesting to me in the book China and India, China and India. And I'm fascinated by this for the latter part of my life because I play a sport called table tennis. And mm -hmm. When I go, and if you looked at my team, shall I say, the people that I play with, my, my mixed doubles partner, my doubles partner, when you look at them, it's fascinating because my doubles partner is from India. And, and it's interesting how absolutely intrigued that I am about mantras. I mean, I can repeat mantras, the, uh, the Gayatri mantra or the Gayatri mantra, or you, people say it differently. And I get fixated on that. And there I am, and I'm getting help pronouncing it right, but who cares? And, it's not, and, and I'll do it on a show, and people look at me like, dang, girl, you're like Patty from the Bronx. What is that? What is that language you're teaching? And, and you know, your book helps. And I, I really don't have a lot of answers, but I'm not alone in this. There are a lot of people that are saying that mantra that are not from another country or another place. And I wanted to ask you, how is it that these spiritual, how should I say them? nuances are now showing up over and over and over again more places in places that people wouldn't connect because i'm not alone about oh, doing no. things like that i know people doing the guy i mean gayatri mantra is foundational for me i know people all over the world who are doing the gayatri <laughs> mantra, who who are non-indians you know and my, my grandson does the gayatri mantra um the and 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 actually in writing this book when I went back into Vedic times, I came to understand the Gayatri Mantra in a different way, because to the to the to the Rishis, in 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 their relationship with the sun, the sun was symbolic of the illumined mind, the enlightened mind. So in worshiping the sun, they're 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 calling upon the enlightened mind to shed wisdom. May, may, may the wisdom of the enlightened mind enter me. May I reach that level of attainment, of spiritual attainment. It's a profound mantra, ancient. It's the oldest mantra that we, we, we know. Uh, and to think that these, these ancient people were praying for illumination. Wow. That was their, you know, the sun being the symbol because it sheds light. It sheds physical light, but they were praying for the spiritual light. And so many of the of the hymns and poems of the Vedas are about spiritual light. They're obsessed with light, uh, with illuminating the mind with the, with the light of wisdom. So, um, uh, you know, the the, the the mantras are very 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 powerful, affecting the internal change, and then the outer change only comes about when we have the internal change. You know, I work with a lot of young activists. And I bring together young activists with spiritual mentors because when you've lived a, you know, when you've lived many many years, you realize that the change has to come from inside. Yeah. Young people go want to go around fixing everything. You know, they're just to fix this and fix that. But if the change doesn't come from inside, nothing really gets fixed. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and I think um, I think I mean, it gets patched. I, it, my, my mom used to talk about a patchwork of curing, right? Yeah. Um, it, she used to she used to talk about you either get at the core of the sauce, the source of it, or you just put a little bandaid on it. I mean, that was the way she explained it to her kids. I mean, honestly, we had to go like 40 years before we even got what she was talking about. But we think we're handling it right. It's bandaid. Um, we're putting band-aids on. I mean, this whole COVID experience, um, you know, we, we to, instead of just dealing with the symptoms, 
we have to deal with the causes, which is when we destroy biodiversity on our planet, we destroy ourselves. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. Just like cultural diversity, there's a whole big thing now about diversity. Biodiversity is the essence of the web of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't even understand. Scientists don't understand how one thing affects the others. You know, Insects are, are dying. Well, what is that going to do to the, to the birds and the reptiles? And if they go, then what? So, so this whole connection between this incredibly magnificent and complex, uh, diverse uh, system that's of life that's evolved over so long, we have the power to destroy it. <laughs> and if we don't awaken the wisdom within us to care for it and, and help mend it, uh, it's not gonna be good. So, so, so this is why I think that, this, that all of these spiritual practices uh, you know, appeal, are, are necessary to help us strengthen the spiritual energy field of the planet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do, you, do you find that, this is just a general question, my sense is that the public, let me call it the public, people, humanity, have become more open to the conversation of reincarnation, more open. And by the way, the reason I say that is I always use our pop culture, believe it or not. I mean, I use our pop culture as a lens. And so I've always been fascinated, even as a in really young child. Uh, watching these movies that some people would call science fiction or they would, you know, they put them in that arena. You know, now we put them, a movie like Avatar, we put it in a, in a certain arena, right? Mm. But for me, every time I watch these, I'm thinking, wow, that's not just a movie. That is a projection. Exactly. That is knowledge. Exactly. That is a wisdom. There's something happening, trying to get us some kind of message. And we're getting it through this public arena of airwaves and waveframes. And, you know, this is a wavelength. I mean, this is a wavelength. And somehow it's coming in. And these people in Hollywood or wherever they are, are creating these things. What do you think? We're we're being prepared in the human community to begin to meet with other species. That's clear. Uh, uh, And these movies that come in are preparing us for that. There's so much information that's not been released that the government knows uh, about about visitations and and meetings. It's a whole subject in itself. But I do believe that we're being prepared to acknowledge that, you know, we're not the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's other life forms forms out there. Um, And I want to talk for a minute about China. Yes, please talk about China, because I mentioned my table tennis partner from India, but I also have to mention my partner from China. (laughs) This 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 um, was a revelation to me that I my life in China, because, you know, my my I've I've written about other lives in India. I've I've known about my connection with India. You know, I just I'm more Indian than most Indians. But I had no memory of China. And I had a bit of an edge around China because of Tibet, you know, uh, uh, because yep. of Tibet and because of the conflict with India. And then when I, I was uh, in Thailand, actually, when I started having all these memories of China and I, and, I, and I realized, oh, my God, I have a very deep connection. In the book, I recount three lives in China as a Taoist, as a, as a, as a, as a very involved Taoist. I had no knowledge of Taoism before. I, I respected it as I respect all spiritual traditions, but I found myself becoming a Taoist again and immersed and falling in love with China, falling in love with ancient China. As a matter of fact, I began to plan a trip there. I wanted to go to the sacred Taoist mountains. They have very sacred mountains in China. It got interrupted by COVID. I have to put off that trip, but I will go to those sacred mountains because uh, there's a spiritual awakening. In all my work with young ecologists, the most spiritual are the few that we are working with in China. One of them has translated all my books. She's translating this one now into Chinese. And the, the depth of their practice of these Buddhist practitioners in China, yeah. young people. And I know that a lot of um, tech, the techie people, you know, business people in their 30s are leaving that world and going into monasteries, Buddhist monasteries to, to deepen, to learn meditation. So when we think of China, we shouldn't just think of the political system, you know. And so I've 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 
I've dived now into a whole study of the different emperors, different Chinese history to understand better modern the, the political system of China because they have their own trajectory. They don't yeah. come out of democracy like we do. They, they come out of a long history of emperors and the ancient emperors were enlightened, you know, just like the Rishis, you know, the ancient emperors were wise men. Uh, it wasn't a hereditary thing. When in one, when the term ended for that emperor, they would get together the wise men and choose the next one. And so, so there's a lot, uh, we, we, we have to be humbled here in the West. You know, um, all of us who've grown up here, we've grown up with the idea that we're the most advanced and we have the best, blah, blah, blah. And we, and truly to appreciate and to understand how we need to move forward as a world community, because China and India are becoming very important <laughs> in the world. First oh. of all, China, India is not far behind. <laughs> well, the latest financial information came out about growth. Uh, India leading the field. I can't remember the exact percentage, but you know, increase in economic growth. I think India was twelve point something, and then China next, and then we were third. And you know, yet at the same time, we're really looking at the appreciation of both of those cultures. You know, we see it in the way we're looking at the restaurants that show up and the food and the practices. I mean, there's no mistake how we're fascinated in the Hollywood Bollywood. And yet here we are today and some things connect us so deeply to our past. And I think that's what your book is really, you know, calling forward. It's really an invitation for us to explore this. Because there are some things you can't explain to your friends, like why all of a sudden I'm in my 30s and I'm starting to learn how to cook Chinese food. What hmm. I'm Italian, yeah. right? Yeah. What the heck? You know, you got the you get walks, you're getting lessons. Why? Out of anything. And it took me a long time later to figure these things out. But isn't the message in closing here the power of connecting the dots? but also seeing the potential for spiritual growth. I think the message is um, the potential for spiritual growth and the, and the, and we mustn't forget the power of love. Oh my gosh. Love. Yes. The power yeah. of love that, 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 that continues, uh, that is not subjected to the death of the body. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, people we love, we meet again, those who we can't see where there's a love relationship are with us. The power of love is most is the strongest force in the universe, and connecting with that, um, I think that's the most important thing that we can do is 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 fill ourselves because our problems will be solved. The more we connect with that power of love, mm -hmm. the more we'll be able to know what to do, to know what to do when. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dina, again, thank you for today. How do we find out more about you, and how do we get a copy of the book? And thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. What's your website? The website is gpiw.org. You can find me on Facebook, Dina Miriam Public Page, and you can go onto Amazon and, uh, and find uh, books by Dina Miriam. And we are going to end the show today. Thank you, Benny, for doing this with the Gayatri Mantra. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you in a minute.